America. My name is Amir Osei Frempong. I come to you live every uh, Thursday about this time. And I want to tell you one thing. Abortion politics is a winning issue. We saw that in Kansas. Also, I want to tell you that just because abortion politics is a winning issue doesn't mean that Democrats should want run on abortion politics. It means if they win, they might move the party to the right. I'm going to explain why that's the case. Um, if you care about race and labor politics, you need to listen. If you care about, you know, women's politics, you need to listen. If you care about gender justice, you need to listen. And here is the thesis, right? So let's say that the abortion issue brings in a bunch of people into the Democratic Party who weren't in there before. They weren't activated by racial justice. They weren't really activated by labor struggles they weren't activated by anything else but they are activated by a woman's right to to choose to have an abortion by that variety of freedom once they get into the party you think you say well it could be a gateway to radicalize them to these other issues why would you think that why would you think that first of all the idea that my body my choice should be the standard for freedom that's already a, a libertarian ideology you're, all, you're not a proto-leftist you're a proto-libertarian and if it took you and if that's what it took for you to get somewhat uh politically involved remember 20 percent of the people who voted in the kansas uh referendum did not uh vote for the gubernatorial primary candidates so they were not actually politically involved with a holistic understanding of politics they voted on this one issue which depending on who you talk to could like be a gateway to libertarianism they just didn't want the state involved in their reproductive strategies in that way right so that doesn't mean that all of these people who are coming into the democratic party now are going to somehow be leftists or care about racial justice or care about uh labor justice it just means that they'll be here and you know what it's possible that we could radicalize them if it were the case that uh there were internal like discursive mechanisms within the party if we had debates if if there was a culture of debate and clash and fractions within the party then you could say well it's just good let's get them in the party and once they're in the party they'll uh we could actually talk to them and there'll be forms for us to like actually radicalize them to care about things like reparations and stuff but no like the democratic party hates internal debates and anytime one comes up it'll be like well no we have to we can't have an internal debate because we have to get rid of trump or whatever right so in the absence of internal structures for deliberative democracy whoever has the biggest check decides the party platform we're unchecked unaccountable and who's going to have the biggest check well it's going to be these white women who just come in for abortion politics right so by the time you're a single issue abortion voter everything else in your life is pretty good everything or you would think everything else in your life is pretty good for the most part you think the world is fair oh except for the government like trying to get into your womb so uh, the idea that this new class is going to be uh kind of susceptible to, susceptible to radicalization is not really it doesn't bear out no they're going to be recalcitrant right they're going to think that well they're, they're going to they're going to come in with bad politics except for abortion and then assume that everybody else is, is going to have to like accommodate their what they consider their most important issue which is abortion and everyone else's issue is going to have to take a third and fourth rear uh fourth 
fourth rung on the ladder. And then when it comes to their willing to help out on reparations and labor justice, they're going to do what they did before, which is go to brunch. Right? So there's this idea that there's an assumption that it's going to be easy to radicalize people who come into the Democratic Party for abortion only. And I'm saying no. If we had the internal structures of deliberative debate within the party, um, it would be it would be easier to radicalize them, but we don't have the structures for internal debate within the party, which means whoever is in the party with the most amount of money is going to decide what the party means, and the people who are going to come in with the most amount of money are going to be the people um, who are single-issue abortion voters, right? So imagine like an unholy coalition of like the moms demand women and the resistance and all of these other people who don't really care about labor justice or or reparations deciding with the authority of whatever the entire democratic um platform right so that's not particularly good so it'll drag the party to the right if abortion becomes the issue for the democratic party the main issue for the democratic party the whole party will drag to the right listen Let's not pretend that era between Roe in the mid-70s and Dobbs a few weeks ago was really great for labor and racial justice. <laughs> right? Like, it wasn't. Unions took a hit, and all black people got was to do worse than their parents and Obama. <laughs> so, and make no mistake, don't let anybody fool you. What was good for Obama was good for Obama. It wasn't good for black people. Right, so women did better than their parents, but women, white women did. Everybody else who like actually cares about a job or concerns themselves about a job or has like racial issues to deal with did, did worse, right? Or the same since the 70s. So what does that mean? It means that don't tie like some narrow understanding of feminism to actual progress. It might be, it might be, the low-key undermining of actual political progress in terms of race and labor justice, right? So you're bringing in all of these people with bad labor, labor and race politics, but a lot of money into the Democratic Party, and then you're going to be surprised when they start dictating the needs of the Democratic Party, and those needs are not going to be um, one with labor and racial justice, right? So we're bringing in, like... I'm sorry, single-issue abortion voters, either pro or con, single-issue abortion voters are pretty much the worst Americans America creates. And there's no talking to them. By, like, there are no black single-issue abortion voters. It might be top five for some black people. But if you're black, you got other issues you, deal, you care about more. You want to get the lead out of your water. You want to make enough money to actually, or have access to enough resources to actually have a kid if you want to, and then have the abortion if you want to. Like, you have other things to think about. The only people who can afford to be single-issue abortion voters, either pro-abortion or con-abortion, are, like, the most obnoxious class of white people. Either pro-abortion or con-abortion. Like, so, it'll bring in the worst people without any internal mechanisms within the party to make them less bad than they are. And so, this illusion that somehow onboarding Democrats as... Um, in the pro-life or in, the, in, in through abortion it might not be good for black people right? it'll take in the worst ones 
it'll take in the worst one. All right? So I don't think you take that seriously. I don't think we've actually thought through. I mean, real black scholars have thought through why feminism, this variety of liberal feminism, uh, wasn't really particularly good for black people and not really particularly good for labor politics. Well, it's because you're bringing in, like, you're bringing in the money without any, without any internal check. Like, there's not, if we were a culture of debate, if we could actually flesh out a politics in the public sphere, then bringing them into the party would actually help. But no, the Democratic Party is kind of a cartel. So once you bring them in the party, and since they're going to be the people with the most amount of money, and in the absence of deliberative democracy, like the people with the most amount of money rules, they're just going to overrun and overwhelm any other concerns because they don't take real labor politics seriously and they don't really take reparations or real racial justice seriously. Anyway, and everything will conform to their need for like decent abortion politics. Right? And that's a problem. That's a problem. So you can fix that problem by actually having you could fix that problem by actually having internal democratic um, institutions within the Democratic Party. So people have to flesh out where they stand on labor issues, where they stand on making black people whole, where they have to like flesh out where they stand on domestic policy. But in the absence of that, which the Democratic Party like fosters an absence of that, it's even worse than the Republican Party, actually. Uh, they talk about freedom in ways that the Democrats just don't. It'll just be, uh, you know, captured to the, the richest people. So this ends up being, making abortion the center of the Democratic Party ends up being a power grab for the wealthiest part of the party. And that's not going to end in better labor and racial justice politics. Right? And so you have to think about what that means. You kind of have to think about, like, let's be honest. Like, let's, let's be honest. Some wins are not always wins for black people. Some wins are not always wins for the labor movement. And it is just as hard to radicalize a Trump voter, a committed Trump voter, than it is to radicalize a committed Clinton liberal. And as it stands, single-issue abortion voters are pretty much libertarian. They think the system works, except they want the government out of their, you know, uterus, which the system doesn't work, not for black people and not for workers, right? So we need to think about honestly and be honest about what kind of people we're letting in. Because if they're on the outside of the party, we can fight them. But once they're inside of the party, they're just going to let their money rule the party and the party's platforms and the party's priorities. And let's not pretend that these people actually care about labor, and let's not pretend that these people actually care about um, race. And let's not pretend that unless they're forced to actually debate within the structures of the party, that they're going to listen to anybody who doesn't, who is of my social position. Right? They're going to just assume that their issue is the most important issue and that abortion has to be number one because obviously that's where the energy is and that's where the money is and that everyone else is going to wait. And you know what happens when black people wait? We never get. So be very, 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 very suspicious of anyone who's telling you that the Democrats should be the party of abortion and run on that just because one, it is a winning issue. It might be a winning issue, but ultimately who's it going to be a winning issue for?
right? You might get more Christian cinemas than Joe Manson's who will support abortion, uh, maybe. Uh, yeah, cinema would. But, um, but is that really going to be good for black people? Is that really going to be good for working people? Right? So the fix to this is actually just institute internal structures of debate and deliberative democracy within the Democratic Party. That means when they come in, they don't actually have that much power to let their money rule. They have to actually be accountable. But that's the real fix. I just want you to be aware that just because Democrats win doesn't mean the black people win. Just because Democrats win doesn't mean that the like labor, American labor win. I mean, Clinton was a Democrat. Right? And then Democrats signed NAFTA. Democrats signed the, the crime bill. And make, make no mistake, um, single-issue abortion voters will no, have no problem with signing a crime bill part two. Right? So this could be fixed if, if this could be fixed if we have you know, the culture of internal debate within the party, because um, that means the people with the most amount of money won't necessarily immediately get to set the tune um, if they, since they paid the piper. But without that, it's just letting the party be run by pretty much the most obnoxious class of the party and the wealthiest class of the party. You're empowering the wealthiest class of the party, and even if you win, you'll be surprised when the wealthiest class in the party doesn't really care about labor or racial justice. That is, you know, that might be good for Democrats, but it doesn't mean it's good for you black people. It doesn't mean it's good for you working people. And uh, you need to take that seriously. And with that, by the way, you're not going to hear this argument anywhere else because I don't think anyone puts this together. Um, so you should go to www.funkyacademic.com and kick in $5, $15, or $50 a month and support the quality of wisdom that makes you actually think, huh, how can something be so good for feminism yet so bad for labor? And until you actually confront that, you're not going to understand 1976 to 2022 um, and how that era was not the greatest for labor, but it was pretty good for feminism. Um, you need to understand that. You need to understand, and, and not the greatest for racial justice. I mean, black people are not going to do as good as their parents, and that's a problem. Right? So, anyway, thank you for your time. I uh, will see you next week. And next week, I'm going to talk about what it means. And I think it's going to be a good show. It's going to be my show for today. But the, the Kansas election happened, so I kind of changed topics. It's going to be a good show about what, it, what happens when you send a black kid to a white school. And if you do it for like, because like there's some horror stories out there. It's, it's, it's a recipe for mental illness. And my niece uh, put out a great uh, interview, so I'll, I'll get clips from that. And, you know, my, my niece ended up going to a um, white Christian school and turns out it was full of racists. Be surprised that a school that was designed to make racists comfortable is still racist, right? So what does it mean? What does it mean to surround a black kid with like in a white Christian school? And it's just not, I just like, I would never, I would never do that to my kid. Honestly, I would just never, I always like, and I mentioned it before, and I'll just tease this to the end. Like, look, if you go to an underperforming school and it's full of black people, teachers black, everyone's black, like everyone's treated the same. Everyone's treated like, you know, what they're treated like, right? Um, it's not particularly confusing. I could teach my kid what they need to know at home, and that'll be fine.
right? But you, you, go, you, you send them to the wrong kind of integrated school or you send them to a white school, what happens is they have to watch basic white kids get treated very well for being basic while they get punished, while the black kids get punished for being black integrated for being black. And that's just confusing. It'd be one thing if like, you know, the white kids were actually like, you know, particularly good at something, but no, it's just, it's like my nightmare is my daughter around basic white girls who life will be fine for them because life is fine for basic white girls. Either they do fine in business. Um, or if that's too hard, they just get married to like an engineer. Right. And you know, become a teacher or whatever. So that's, but that's not going to be my kid. So there's nothing sadder than a, a grown black woman who hasn't figured out what it means to be black and is surprised why life's not working out for. Her. And I like that's like, I, I do not. My kids do not spend time with basic white kids. It's not that they don't spend time with white kids, but like you got to bring something to the table if you're going to be a white kid around my kid. And if you're just a basic white kid, like you're a bad, like you can go, you can keep stepping. Um, you got to be the right kind of white <laughs> to hang around this family and um, to be in a scenario in a room full of white kids who are basic but don't know that they're basic and are treated well is just entirely too confusing for black kids. And that's not fair. And like, it'll be fine for the basic white kids because they'll just, they'll do fine in America, but it'll end up just confusing black kids to um, an extraordinary degree. And so they're bad influences. And, and my, my niece actually has a really good, my, my niece actually has a really good kind of interview about it, about like how going to this, um, how going to this white Christian school actually like, like screwed her up. Because it turns out that like, like the whites are racist, and they also like have institutions that support them, and and what that means. So, um, so like I thought you, I thought you actually articulated this really well. So yeah, keep basic white kids away from black people. Keep basic white kids away from your kid. Like I will send my kid to a hood school, and without even batting an eye, but. You got to watch some of these integrated schools and, and like, there's no, you couldn't pay me. You couldn't pay me to subject my kid to um, a white school, uh, especially a private white school. Like, like, no, those kids are there to get away from black kids. And, and I, don't, I don't need that around my black kid. And, and, and like I said, a lot of white kids don't know how basic they really are. And that's going to distort anyone who looks up to them. Because they're going to be popular, right? So these basic white kids end up popular but still basic. And so everybody else is just kind of confused about what, like, what all this means. All right. But that'll be next week's show. It's going to be a scorcher, and I'll get the interviews from my, my niece's uh, uh, interview, and, and I think it's actually pretty good. All right. Thank you for your time, and I will see you next week. Peace.